Stop me if you've heard this one before. Data is the new oil. CFOs are acutely aware that data itself has value. But just like oil that's still stuck in the ground, if you want to get the value from your data, you've got to process it. And that processing increasingly takes the form of analytics and the predictions that come from it. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we'll talk about finance analytics. How can CFOs create an analytics-driven culture? And what are the barriers standing in the way? We're joined by Matt Schwenderman, principal at Deloitte Consulting, and among other things, Matt helps CFOs steer their way through financial transformation. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much, Greg. So let's just dive in. So finance has moved well beyond the old role of just balancing the numbers and doing standard reporting. Why are analytics so important to where CFOs want to go? Uh, excellent question. So. At Deloitte, we came up with, years ago, something we call the four faces of the CFO. Um, what many people are knowledgeable about is that finance is a steward and an operator of the organization. And what we found was an increasingly importance to the role of strategist and catalyst. Um, you can't be a catalyst for your organization unless you're able to take information and turn that into actions. And if you're going to be a significant component of setting the strategy of the organization, you need a keen awareness of where you've been, where you're going, and how you're going to measure where you're going forward. So analytics has helped move the CFO into that more balanced four faces over time. And so where are we on that journey? Like when you think about people adopting um, analytics in a, in a wide way, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you see? You know, unfortunately, I think we're at a very fragmented part of that journey. Um, we have some organizations that are doing incredibly creative and avant-garde things with data and insight-driven you know, decisions. We have other organizations that still rely on what I like to refer to as human middleware um, and you know, moving you know, spreadsheet-driven information throughout the organization and walking into very important meetings with various sets of the same results. Um, and arguing about what's the right number as opposed to what they should be focusing on, which is how do I actually move the business forward? Um, the other thing I, we notice on the analytics side is it really is also a culture and skills driven. So those finance functions that are more focused on being a strong business partner um, and have a, a depth of capabilities in the organization are utilizing analytics to a much more rigorous extent, um, then those are interested in holding on to kind of the old steward gatekeeper roles. Yeah, I want to come back to that point because we did some research on, on that point, but is there a chicken in the egg there? If you want to be that business partner for, as finance, do you, do you need to have the data first and the, and the analytics culture? Does the analytics come first? It's hard to say if it's chicken or egg, but you definitely need a couple key things. So one is you need access to the data, and historically that's been a challenge for all parts of the organization. The scorekeeper type finance organization has always been able to say, hey, we have the right numbers, right? And as I'm sure as your audience you know, understands and can appreciate, there's always a certain you know, check the box function of finance that has occurred to say, no, these are the numbers you need to use. Um, what doesn't always come along with that is an appreciation for the business and what the business needs. That's where analytics really comes in. Um, 
you can run models and you can run analysis on any set of information, and many organizations will, will do it ad nauseum. Um, but what we found is that there's only a few set of key performance indicators which really drive performance of an organization. Having a good way to get at that data, using more current technologies to be more predictive about that and learn off of that will derive greater results than trying to produce large masses of data that ends up sitting on a shelf. You know, and, and you mentioned technology as, as one of those those drivers for getting to analytics. And so to come back to this research that we did, you know, we, we surveyed about um, 700 or so finance organizations around the world. And what we found was there was a pretty clear break almost along generational lines between finance folks who said, we really view technology and what we can get from technology, the ability to, to use data in a, in a more proactive way. Um, if you were under 40 or thereabouts, that was, that was so clear to you that you needed technology in your corner and it was a key driver. And those who were a little bit older than that didn't see it as, as much of a barrier to where they were trying to go. I mean, does that resonate with you and sort of what you've seen? Uh, absolutely, and you know, the interesting thing of that is you have to have both generations. I mean, we're seeing in our future of work research, there's five generations in the workforce, um, and we need to find ways to tap into the value of all of those generations. That said, take that, put that to the side for a second. On the data side, you know, 40 and under and even you know, 25 and under grew up native with technology. I have three daughters, they're all under the age of 25. They don't know a situation where they can't get whatever information they want in the palm of their hand. Um, many people are very frustrated. They're at home and they speak into a device and it orders their groceries for them, but they go to work and they have to sit in a cubicle and they have to log into a mainframe um, or go through three different password protocols to get to a simple report. You're seeing that we have, in many finance organizations, build up these technologies and these architectures over time, which don't make it easy to get at the information and surely makes it hard to consume. You know, the more senior generations like myself are used to processes and protocols that have been built up around ERP 1.0, right? Uh, and so what you're seeing is this real unique point in time where we have businesses that are running on digital operating models and finance functions which are not yet there. And so analytics becomes a key way that finance supports a more digital operating model, um, but we don't necessarily have the technologies and the talent yet aligned to that. When you think about your clients, you talk to CFOs, where do you advise that they start when they think about adopting more of that modern approach yep. to technology and how they should use it? So I think the first thing is you have to have credibility in what it is you're producing to begin with. So you want to make sure that the, that the client actually has reliable information and credibility in, in just the, the ongoing financial planning, analysis, and reporting. So, you know, 
activities that need to happen around that is to really understand what, um, what metrics, what KPIs are used to support the business that actually drive shareholder value, and then working forward to what I need to produce on a, on a regular so, basis for that. So just to pause you for a second, so is that, is that really about this is the table stakes, and if, and if I can't establish the credibility as a finance officer that we can do all of these things that the organization requires us to do, I maybe don't have the credibility to go and do these new, better yep. things? That's exactly right. Um, so it is, and if you have that credibility, then you can progress faster, right? Forward more, you know, more quickly. Um, and we've seen organizations do great things when they have that credibility. So getting that credibility is important. One thing I particularly like about the, you know, the Workday platform and what comes with it is, when I have that there and the organization agrees on the data model and what's there, I know at any point in time everybody's looking at the same version. So that's critical. Then where we go from there is to make sure that there's some sort of governance around that data, there's a way to, there's a way to control that and move it forward. And then what we like to do is to have organizations start with piloting some capabilities around analytics and predictive modeling. We like to say like plan, you know, pilot, you know, like fail fast, right? So get out there, start doing it, see the results, have a feedback loop, and come on. Um, one particular example I like is in the finance and you know financial planning and analysis, right? In the annual planning forecasting cycle, lots of organizations have numerous analysts that use their gut and intuition to say, "Here's what our monthly updated forecast is going to look like. This is what we're going to do quarterly," and they use some historical drivers and they roll that out. We've actually worked on something we call uh, precision view. We built predictive modeling into that process. Um, and we've proven the ability within a 90 plus percent confidence level to drive a forecast that then an analyst can come and provide that insight if they know that there are unique business events coming up. So you, you take a large chunk of the menial kind of busy work out of the forecast process and turn the analyst into that true partner, the true insight, right? And once that business, once that model is built out and is working, now I can add in artificial intelligence and machine learning to make that model actually improve upon itself as it gets more data. Yeah, and one of the things that we hear a lot in, in the broader conversation around some of these technologies is they're going to take away jobs and they're going to make people obsolete. And the way you just described it is it actually elevates the role of that FP&A person. Yes, so much of our uh, human capital work has been specifically around the, you know, the future of work and what it's going to be. And we've, we've found in our studies and in our work with clients exactly that, that it's the changing nature of work not the elimination of jobs. Um, we recently released something called Finance 2025, a thought piece, which looks at what's the, what's the work of finance going to be like in the future, um, leveraging blockchain and predictive analytics and automation and whatnot. Um, and the thing that I hear most from CFOs when I go around and talk about that is, so how do I get there with my organization? 
Um, and what are the steps that need to happen? It's not a question, they're not challenging whether or not those technologies are impacting them and whether or not you're going to have, you know, not quite touchless, but near touchless transaction processing. They're not questioning whether they need predictive modeling in real time. What they really don't know is, where do I get the talent today that has that vision that can help that me get there faster than my competition? Yeah, now, and, and that's a great segue to, to that topic of talent, right? That the jobs that we have today may not be the jobs that we have in the future, the, the skills and the talent that people have in their organizations is, is almost assuredly going to change as these technologies come on board. So what has your research shown in terms of you know, where are we in, in closing that talent gap? What are the biggest opportunities that, that are out there? So for finance specifically, one of the biggest gaps, right, is really the difference between kind of what I'll say is, you know, like the doer roles and then the, um, the insight roles. And, you know, many organizations have folks in all of those functions, but at a disproportionate volume to the doer roles. Um, finance thought they were changing that when they did went through outsourcing. Now finance is looking at going back to insourcing and using process automation and blockchain, or analytics as a service, finance as a service, accounting as a service. So how do we bridge that gap of having the majority of my organization measure their value and their performance by executing quickly and efficiently to being able to be able to measure it by providing insights, being a partner, um, working well in teams and, and whatnot. So that's kind of where we're seeing the gap. What we're seeing clients, controllers, CFOs do, is start to look and reach out and actually bring data scientists into their organization reach out to universities and say, look, you're not doing a good job producing the skills that I need today. So we need to partner and you need to figure out how to get me more of these resources. Um, and CFOs and CIOs working together to really understand where that new boundary is, um, it, you know, in terms of who plays what roles. And so the CIOs are maybe contributing a bit more into the function um, than it was before. Yeah, and that, that notion of our schools producing the skills that people need, we're, we're here at Workday Rising, you can hear the background noise. <laughs> and one of the, the topics that, that we've been talking about this week is that notion of how do universities shift maybe what they're teaching students to, to not just get the, the technical skills, because those are changing all the time. I mean, what I do in my job is very different than what I would have learned when I was in school. Um, but those soft skills and those abilities to collaborate are, are always going to be important, and, and maybe more so as, as there's more automation around some of those, those doer tasks as you were talking about. Certainly, we're a huge employer of, uh, you know, of campus graduates ourselves. Clearly, you know, those skills, as you mentioned, around you know, the ability to have some of the softer skills and the consultative skills to go with the core. Don't get me wrong, there isn't a controller and a CFO is going to want someone being in their accounting function that doesn't know accounting. How do you get them exposed early to what process automation can do? 
to, you know, if you use Workday in your organization, what should they be looking for in the community? What should they be talking to their peers and colleagues around asking you to build in machine learning into different parts that are very you know, specific and gives insight? Um, the other thing that I think finance can do, uh, I don't know of a better job as much as they can take advantage of is, I mentioned they were seeing five generations in the workforce. Uh, there's been some great work out there around um, mentorships and um, combined teams with younger and more senior workers and realizing that there's, there's institutional knowledge, there's technical knowledge, there's functional knowledge, you know, there's cultural and consultative skills, putting more team-oriented you know, uh, groups together, more project-oriented. Specific to the analytics topic, which worked incredibly well for some clients, is they'll almost a call, you know, almost a black ops or a skunk works, and they will take an integrated team like that, we'll put them off to the side, and we'll say, okay, what we really need to do is we need to understand better how we can drive revenue across this product line. So we're going to bring someone in, maybe from the marketing and product side, we're going to bring in financial analysts, we'll bring in someone who knows how to account for these transactions and some technologists. And we're going to figure out some predictive modeling capabilities. We're now going to bring in some external data that we never brought in before. And we're going to start putting all that together. Those are the things that finance can really get involved in and drive value. Because at the end of the day, what, what we're good at as finance professionals is understanding data, being critical in a good way about it, and then helping the business apply it in a meaningful manner. That's a good place to continue on the maybe the, the analytics and the predictive idea. So, you know, we're going to hear a lot this week about machine learning, artificial intelligence, predictive technologies. Um, where do you see that maybe having the biggest impact over the next, say, three to five years in finance? Certainly we've seen it already be impactful in areas around fraud detection, controls anomalies. I think we'll see it more embedded in core business processing, but I think the real, where that real value is, is what we're talking about is on the more analytic side of finance. I think you'll get more learnings around the things that are tangential to finance, so those other systems and how they work with finance or bringing in external data and bringing in unstructured information and marrying that up. That's, that's almost the um, sort of the data equivalent of that, that cross-functional team you were talking about, right? That's We're, exactly right. You know. So in a sense, we had a, we had a client in the media space and um, involved in motion pictures. And so one of the things they did with external data and their internal structural data is they started looking at social media as they were putting out early um, PR and marketing around a new, um, a new release. They started to look at social media scrapes around the project, around the stars that were in it, and see what was coming in favorable or unfavorable, which then turned around and informed the production volumes of the accessories and the spin-offs and all the, the other things in retail that they might make money off of associated with the film. Um, 
Why I equate that to finance is it's hard to imagine an organization, I, I haven't been able to imagine an organization, where large decisions around investment of capital and profitability on product lines and all doesn't involve finance or doesn't impact cash flow and profit and loss statements and message to the street. The more we can add those external data sets, the more precise our predictive models can be. And I can, in near real time, flow that through. Um, then I can make better resource allocations as a CFO. I can provide better guidance to the street and I can generate greater shareholder value. And you can do it with the, as you mentioned earlier, with the, the key performance indicators that really matter to those different functions within the business. Yes, and I think what's, what I see as being unique at this point in time is what I just described as something that an organization would go through is not necessarily a new idea or need. What's new is you're seeing the prevalence of the capabilities and the technology and growing so fast um, that I can really put that into place and set it, set it up to almost run on its own in some time. So again, I look at, I look at what the Workday platform provides to a CFO. You know, the core financials, adaptive on top of that, Prism Analytics. That combination of technologies is something that not too long ago, I would have pitched what I just said to a CFO. It would have cost way too much money to build that out than the value of that solution. And what we're seeing is the ability of the technologies, the cost to implement and then maintain and run those technologies and keep them current um, makes it kind of what I, what I like to call is like it's the no excuses time for finance. Can't tell me you can't do it because it takes too long. You can't tell me that you can't bring in that information and, and manage it and govern it because those capabilities are here. The only thing holding finance back is embracing that role and then setting up its organizational agenda and its talent to be able to execute it. So when you think about embracing that and, and taking that on, What's the barrier there? Is it not knowing how that maps to the strategy? Like, what, what holds people back, do you think? One is, you know, a lot of CFOs were burned by investments in very large BI programs. Um, BI programs that became stale kind of the day they went live. So there's a cautionary tale there um, for them to deal with. Two is there's a certain amount of control that you're giving up if you're moving to the things that you and I have been speaking about. If you're moving to more business partnering and you're pulling in marketing and you're pulling in product development and, and it's co collective, collegial group, that's very different than you managing all the data and all the data flow and no one does anything until you produce the, the monthly or quarterly numbers. Um, and so that leads me into number three, which is, um, you know, concerns about it being the right numbers and too soon. And if I'm making decisions in, you know, real time or near real time on ever evolving models and analytics, is there a risk that we're going to make the wrong decision? Like this is where the intuition does play. Do I have people who know enough about our business, enough about what we're trying to do to say, hey, that looks right 
or wrong, you know, to raise a hand at the right time and say we might need to relook at the algorithms. Yeah, this notion of human judgment, you know, takes on a very interesting and, and almost heightened dimension when there's more modeling, there's more data, there's more predictions because someone still needs to look at that and say, does this make sense? Is this the way we want to go? That's right. Yeah. And I don't think we're ever going to get away from that and I think that's a good thing. But I, what I'd like to see us get back to is there was a time, a point in time where finance was leading the charge in many organizations around the adoption of technology for the good of the organization, particularly around efficiency and standardization. And I think in the last, certainly in the last five years, maybe a little longer, the roles around the adoption of technology in an organization has changed where customer facing functions um, are much more innovative and out there in adopting new technologies quickly to try and drive benefit and finance has been very cautious. Part of that is making, trying to make a very clear business case. How do I make a clear business case for doing some of this in finance? Your business case has to be based on something different than doing ERP and Y2K was. That's something I'd like to see finance do is to get back to really looking forward as to how technology can be used, not just differently in finance itself, but in an innovative way in the organization. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Matt Schwenderman from Deloitte for joining us on the Workday podcast. Matt, if people want to learn more, where should they go? Uh, well, you can certainly go to our Deloitte site, www.deloitte.com. Um, we have some information out there on finance in a digital world. Uh, as I mentioned, we just released our finance 2025 um, crunch time piece. We have our whole crunch time uh, series for the CFO because we consider this obviously to be a pivotal point in time for them. So there's a piece on blockchain, there's a piece on analytics, there's a piece on, on digital technologies. There's a great place to start and we'd be happy to talk to, to any and, and all folks in the audience about what we're seeing. Great. Thank you for listening to the Workday Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. I'm Greg Thomas and thanks for listening.